Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. I invite you to turn with me in your own Bible, or you can turn in the Pew Bible. It can be found there on pages 127 and 128. Here now, once again, Acts 16, 11 through 15. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, And the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, open our hearts this morning, just as you opened Lydia's along that riverbank so many years ago. Speak to us once again, call to us once again so that we might find ourselves in your story. Help us to discover and experience our place so that we might live out our calling and our purpose. Amen. Good morning once again. I am Pastor Corey, the Associate Minister here at Orange, and today we are continuing our series, Incoming Call. For the last two Sundays, Pastor Adam dug into the Old Testament to reflect upon the callings of Samuel and Jonah, and Haley, our new youth director, joined him, sharing her own call story last week in consideration of our theme. But this week, we continue with a very different character. A character that you may or may not be familiar with, only one person in my Sunday school class had heard of Lydia before today. So you may or may not be familiar with her. She comes to us in our scripture in Acts chapter 16. Her name is Lydia. And her story is one of limited information and limitless implications. Limited information, but limitless implications. Lydia isn't who the reader expects to encounter in this narrative from Acts. And she surely isn't who Paul and his companions expect to encounter. And yet her story is captured here for all of history. She is a saint in many traditions. And when you visit the city of Philippi, you can visit the place where Lydia and her household were baptized. There is a church, a memorial, a space to linger and celebrate her contribution to the history of Christianity and its mission. She's known by many as the first European convert, 
uh, as she was living in Macedonia at the time when she encountered Paul. But she herself was not European. She was from Thyatira. So there's debate among scholars about that label, but we do know she's the first person ever recorded as being baptized in Europe. And she plays a big part in the mission to Europe thereafter. She was baptized in Philippi, and the, the scriptures capture her again by name. This is remarkable. Now, many people indiscriminately are noted as being baptized in scripture. Many households are baptized, and so we assume many women and men are baptized. But Lydia is the only woman who is recorded as having her household baptized. She's named as the baptized here in this story. And when I was 19 years old, the birthplace of Jesus, like today, was in deep turmoil. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. So it was not safe to travel there, and my university's religion department decided to offer an alternative trip to the Holy Land. And so we had the opportunity to follow the footsteps of Paul and his companions through Greece and Turkey. It was called From Athens to Istanbul, and we followed Paul's missionary adventures. We stopped in several towns and visited many places named in the New Testament, and one of those places was Philippi. And the river described here in the text as outside the city gate is a sacred space open to pilgrims and tourists and memorialized, as I mentioned, by the presence of a church. And it is believed to be the very place that Lydia was praying. She was praying when Paul and Timothy and Silas and most likely Luke encountered her and then baptized her and her family right there in that same water. Now, I had a few photos I shared at the 9 o'clock service, and I'll have to tell you, they're 20 years old, and they look like they're from ancient Greece, okay? <laughs> but for a young woman like myself, 19 at the time, who was exploring and experiencing a call to ministry, a call she was very much afraid of, this was a very, very special place to visit and to pray. And I have a terrible memory, and I only have a few from that trip, but I can remember what I ate for lunch that day. Sitting at the edge of that stream described in scripture, the water flowing, pondering in my heart the question, who exactly was this Gentile woman who made her way into this story? The odds stacked against her in every way as a first century female, and I just remember being filled with such gratitude and offering just a simple thank you, Lydia, for your faithfulness and for your openness because you found a place in this story. Maybe I have a place in this story. Maybe I do too. And you see, what makes Lydia unique is that she is described by Luke very briefly but by two key attributes. Lydia is a businesswoman, and she is a very successful businesswoman. They intentionally include this detail that Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth, not just any textiles or cloth, but purple. 
And only the affluent, the rich and the royal, wore purple because they were the only people who could afford it. Purple dye was very expensive and it was a luxury item. So scripture is telling us here that Lydia had means. She was successful by the world's standards. She accomplished what few women in her day had. So Lydia is described by her occupation, what she does, her work. And then Luke tells us she's also a God-fearer or a worshiper of God. Now that translation implies Lydia is a Gentile who has come to know and worship the God of Israel. And because she's both a woman and a Gentile, she is not welcome in the temple. So that's why most likely she's at the river. She is praying, looking for people to pray with, to worship with on the Sabbath. God has gotten a hold on this woman's heart. And because of that, she is pursuing God wherever she can. Lydia's call story and her discipleship should inspire us to pursue God. When we feel that spirit moving within us, stirring within us, that longing toward God, we should follow it. We should follow it into community and into worship. Because what Lydia couldn't have imagined or foreseen is that while she was pursuing God, God was moving toward her, orchestrating an encounter that would forever change Lydia's life and the trajectory of Paul's mission. Philippi becomes a cornerstone church along Paul's path. Now, we did not read the verses prior to Lydia's story, but what's amazing here is that the only reason Paul and his companions even go to Macedonia is because they have a dream, they have a vision of a Macedonian man crying out for them to come and help. Crying out. Well, guess what? We never, ever meet this Macedonian man, and we never, ever hear another word about him in Scripture. But they do meet a woman who's a dealer in purple cloth and a worshiper of God. And her name is Lydia. And she is praying by the river. And what she could never have known was how God was prompting and leading these men, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, to that prayer group by the river. God, unbeknownst to these men, was pursuing Lydia. And so she listens to Paul and his companions speak, teaching about Jesus and sharing the gospel. And scripture tells us the Lord opened her heart. She knew the God of Israel, but she wasn't necessarily familiar with the good news of Jesus Christ. And to hear these apostles share this story of love and grace and new life, Lydia's heart was open. She received those words into the deepest part of her being. And in that moment, her status as a Gentile or a woman wasn't what defined her. Disciple became her identity and Christ follower became her name. And Lydia's life was never, ever the same after this encounter. Her heart was opened. Can you think about times in your life when the Lord opened your heart and told you exactly who you are? Child, beloved, forgiven, disciple. I told you this story before, but I remember vividly reading the book of Acts. I love the stories in Acts. And I was reading it for my undergrad New Testament class. I was doing my homework. And 
I came upon Acts 20, 24. And Paul writes there, Let my life be worth nothing if I do not do the one thing to which I have been called, which is to testify to the good news of God's grace every day. Let my life be worth nothing. And in the middle of my homework, I was overcome. The Lord opened my heart. I knew in that moment, while I had been pursuing God for so many years in my own life, that in this moment, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was pursuing my heart, was pursuing me, speaking to me. And God's presence said, these words are not just for Paul. They are for you. And I can't say I've always, but in this moment, I truly believed God. There have been so many times in my life when the Lord opened my heart to step into a new calling or a new season. And even if I dismissed it or I resisted it, God pursued me. For the first few years of my marriage, I've mentioned this before as well, but Tiagan and I would worship at a church just across the street here. I was working at Duke at the time. That was my pastoral appointment. And we lived over that way in Chapel Hill, so we would pass Orange on the way here and on the way back. And one day Tiagan said, Corey, why can't you just serve that church? And I laughed and said, Tiagan, that's not how it works. And here I am. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I had a slightly different vision for my next steps in ministry when I received the official call to come serve Orange. I shared about it with my Sunday school class last week. And when I received that call, I, I prayed about it. I really prayed about it, <laughs> Pastor Adam. I didn't just say I was going to pray about it. I did. And thanks be to God, God opened my heart. I had one vision that had to lead me to a place so that God could reveal the purpose that was truly set before me. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God pursued me and that God has this ability to lead us and change us and open our hearts to new callings and toward new visions. What a beautiful and perfect ministry it's been these last six years. And believe me when I say I pray and look forward to many more. And to echo Lydia's words, her story once again, Orange has literally baptized members of my household at this point. Scripture tells us her whole household was baptized. What a fierce and faithful woman. Luke, the author of Acts, he does not edit this story to make it more palatable to us or more in line with the rest of the New Testament. No, she, Lydia, this woman's whole household receives this collective call to know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And it was prompted through her pursuit of God at that river amongst community. And after she's baptized with her whole family, she doesn't defer to anyone. But she continues this conversation with these missionaries, these men, because she's a leader, natural. She owns her own business. She's got real administrative and sales skills. So she begins organizing and coordinating logistics to provide support so that Paul and his companions can keep sharing this message that has changed her life. Her story doesn't end at baptism. It's just the beginning. She is part of this movement that will enable the spreading of the good news to the ends 
of the earth. She prevails upon these men. She convinces them to come to her home so that she can offer them hospitality and rest and support to feed them a home base where they can meet and coordinate. God opened her heart and she was never the same. Her purpose was redefined. And something that I think goes unsaid in the passage, passage is just how selfless Lydia is. She doesn't just receive this baptism and move on with her life. She knows this news is too good to end at the riverbank. So she works with these missionaries to ensure that their work continues not only in Philippi, but even after they leave. Now remember, she's already an outsider. She's a foreigner. She's a woman. She was a God-fearer, and now this label as Christ follower would have made her even more of an outsider. But she still risked it all. Whatever happened at that moment of her baptism assured her the calling would be worth any of the risk. Now, we don't have an enormous amount of information about Lydia, what happens to her after this passage. But scholars believe because in Acts 16.40, Lydia is mentioned once again, but they think because of that, she helped get Paul and his companions out of prison. And she did so because she had status and connections. And after the magistrates release Paul and Silas, they leave prison and go straight to Lydia's house. And there they meet with other brothers and other sisters of the faith who encourage them and then send them off. So from this statement in Acts 16.40, Lydia seems to have quickly opened and established her home as a meeting place for Christians in Philippi. And it is very likely that she was a key leader in the Philippian church, a church that, again, becomes an anchor among the new churches that Paul and his companions plant. Lydia very likely provided financial support for Paul and his, and his companions, which again explains why knowing her trade is so important to the story. She had resources to support them. Lydia's story is unique, and yet I believe so many of us can relate to it. We work. We take care of our families. But at some point along the way, God got a hold of our hearts. And even if we try and we struggle to resist that part of us that longs to know and be known by the God who created us. And so we pursue God. We come to church. We join a small group. We spend time in community with others who feel likewise. We serve. We spend time with others who feel this similar pull upon their hearts to be closer to the one who's created us. And then one day, expectedly and sometimes completely by surprise, we discover that God has actually been pursuing us. God has been pursuing us, and our hearts are opened. We receive, by God's grace, a new identity. And in that new identity, as a disciple, we experience the gift of calling. To use our gifts, whatever they may be. Maybe you're a dealer in purple cloth. I'm not sure what everyone does here. But we experience that gift of calling to use our gifts so that the message of God's love might be spread. So that others like Lydia and like ourselves might find that they have a place in God's story. I don't believe Lydia could have ever 
have envisioned or imagined a 19-year-old college student sitting where tradition tells us she was baptized 2,000 years later, offering thanks for Lydia's faithfulness. All because it gave her the confidence that she too could be a disciple and a leader and an evangelist. If that does not convince you that your call matters, I'm not sure what might. Lydia found her place in God's story. She really did. And I'm so grateful. Finding our place in God's story matters, even if we cannot see the fruit of it immediately or in our lifetimes. Finding our place enables others to believe that they have a place to. Answering our call continues this story. We have to keep telling this story. We have to keep telling this story of a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to be one among us, to bear our sin, to die on a cross, and then to raise us all up to new life through his resurrection. We have to keep telling this story because there are Lydia's and there are Corey's and there are Haley's and there are Debbie's and there are Adam's and there are Mike's and there are so many others who need to hear it. That they have a place. I give thanks to God this day for the faithfulness, for the leadership, for the call that was answered by Lydia of Thyatira. May we ourselves be open to receive the same call. Let us pray. Spirit, you are alive within us. And sometimes we're afraid. Spirit, you nudge us, you whisper in our ears, you blow around us, urging us to action. And sometimes we are afraid. Spirit, you're alive within us and you always are here, always moving, always calling. And we are unaware. And sometimes we are afraid. Afraid of the task, afraid of the caring, afraid of the responsibility, afraid of surrendering control. Spirit, you are alive within us. And so we will let you lead. And we will hear your call. And we will journey with you. And we will allow our hearts to be opened, even when we are afraid. Spirit, you are alive within us, and we are alive in you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.